Hey, Faith on Hill, Pastor Adam here. I am on vacation this week, but I am so thankful that we can gather together online and in person. If you haven't been to one of our in-the-field services yet, uh, it's a great time. We are socially distanced, we are wearing masks, and we are worshiping Jesus together. Um, I do not believe for one moment that the church has been canceled, but we do recognize that we have been less because we haven't been physically together. And so uh, to be together in our field is wonderful. We are still uh, figuring out all the details, but the plan is still to go into our building in September. Uh, whether you're online or in person, we're so thankful that you're here and a part of things. This morning, my friend, Pastor Bob Middleton, is going to share from God's Word, and we're looking forward to hearing what God has for us. Well, good morning, and welcome to the Dalles. Um, about 85 miles east of Portland on the Columbia River. Um, it's been a warm week here this week like it is in Portland, but I think a little bit warmer here. We were 108 degrees yesterday. Yes, that's right. So that's why I'm filming in the morning because it was too hot. <laughs> anyway, welcome and thank you for uh, watching. Pastor Adam is on vacation, and so he asked me to deliver the word this morning. And so that's what we're going to do is we continue on in the studies through the book of Mark. And my wife and I, uh, my wife Dorinda and I, just would like to welcome you to the backyard that we have here. It's a great filming location, I think, for our study this morning. Well, anyway, let's get right into it. Um, but before we do, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a wonderful morning. We pray that you would, Lord, cool it off just a bit today. But uh, more importantly, we pray that, Lord, that you would deliver us from this pestilence known as COVID-19. And we pray that you would bless our folks. Uh, Lord, help those in need and give us ears to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, concerning ears to hear, in the study in the book of Mark that we're at, um, we just got into start of chapter 11, and chapter 11 is a passage that Pastor Adam has covered previously not too long ago. It is the um, Palm Sunday sermon, the entry into Jerusalem. And so we are going on into Jesus's movement into Jerusalem as part of the last days, the last week of his ministry. Um, and uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark 11, and we're going to look at chapter, chapter 11, verse 12. Anyway, um, if you like titles for sermons, my sermon title this morning is Selective Hearing. You know, one of the things that we all struggle with, and this is something that from, you can see from the very beginning of Adam and Eve, is that we struggle with hearing things what we want to hear. You might say selective hearing. Now, if you've had kids, or if you've been a kid, you've had something along this line of where kids would be selectively hearing things. Like, um, if you clean your bedroom, we'll go to McDonald's afterwards. And the kids, what they hear is, we're going to McDonald's. And they might actually hear a little bit about the cleaning the bedroom part, but probably not too much. Um, they just like to hear the McDonald's part. I think that's true for us as well. Um, I have a story, it was kind of interesting. My dad, when my dad was little, and this would have been in the 40s, um, he went with his family to another family who had invited them to dinner after church on a Sunday afternoon. 
and my dad's family was rather big and so they didn't get this privilege very often and so my grandfather wanted his brothers and my dad to make sure that they mind their manners while they were at this other family's house and so my dad my mom or my grandfather took my dad and his brothers off to the side and said now guys i want you to mind your manners make sure that you have good manners well, my dad, being very little at the time, probably four or five, and being smaller than the rest of the boys and kind of got in the back a little bit, didn't hear all of it. What he heard was, there's going to be bananas. There's going to be bananas. As a little four-year-old, that's kind of the term for bananas back in those days, uh, nanas. All right. And so um, he went to the house, fully prepared to have bananas for dinner. And so when they served the dinner, he was looking for it. And he asked the father of the house of the guest um, or the host of the family that um, they were at, um, do you have any bananas? Because he hadn't seen any. And the father, according to my dad, looked at him rather strangely, like he was asking for something strange. And um, so he kind of quieted down for a minute. And then a little bit later, he went to the, to the wife because he figured they're the ones that make food. And so... I'll ask her, and so he asked the wife, um, and this time very loudly, do you have any bananas? Well, my grandfather was quite embarrassed and not unhappy, or not happy with what my dad was saying. And so um, afterwards, he asked him why he was kept asking for bananas. And, and my, my dad said as a little boy, well, you said there were gonna be some manners, some manners, some nanas. <laughs> my grandfather was not was not happy with him and he you might say he um, disciplined him the old-fashioned way that's the way selective hearing can be we can hear what we want to hear and I think it's something that we have to be careful of ourselves because selective hearing and especially when it comes to God's Word is um, can be really dangerous and it's especially so for people because we tend to like to do uh, our own way don't we in our story in Matthew or excuse me Mark chapter 11 and if you have your Bibles you can turn to Mark chapter 11 with me um, the Jesus has just entered into Jerusalem as we we saw earlier and so he has just entered into Jerusalem and that day before on there was a, a great parade and Jesus was um, just bedded with palm branches and just it was a great day and they entered into the, the temple it says there at the very end um, just before uh, nightfall and so it says um, really at the last passage or last bit of uh, chapter 11 verse 11 he entered the Jerusalem and he went into the temple and when he had looked around at everything as it was already late he went out to Bethany with the twelve so they went into the temple area, but it was too late to really see anything or really do anything. All the activity for the day had pretty much stopped. And so they went into the what you might call the suburb of Bethany. Now, I think this is interesting because I think Jesus had an idea. I think he saw what he wanted to see, and he also had an idea of what he wanted to teach to the disciples and what he wanted to say prophetically, I think, to the chief priests and the, and the rest of the scribes and the leadership of the nation of Israel. So, starting with verse 12, we'll read on. And you can read on here with me if you'd like. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see 
if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the temples of the money chamber, changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything to the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be a, called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Now, this is really kind of a two-part sermon, and we'll look at a little bit some things a little bit more deeply next week, because um, Pastor Adam has asked me to, to teach next week as well. But this is something I think it's important for us to, to recognize, that when we read the word and we hear the word it is important that we pay attention to everything that god says and in the way and the mode that he says it now jesus talked about this in another passage in matthew chapter 23 that there are some matters of the law some areas of god's word that have more weight jesus called it the weightier matters of the law there in matthew chapter 23 that there are some things that we have to pay attention to that are more important than others. And I think this is something that we need to pay attention to ourselves. You know, it, it's easy for us to be selectively hearing so that we apply the things that we want to apply, that we get the things that we want to get out of something. And in this particular case, the, the Jews, the leadership of the nation of Israel, were properly um, conducting the sacrificial system um you know how they had the temple was beautiful at that particular point in time but they were missing something greatly and we're going to look at some of the things that they were missing because of this selective hearing that they had and hopefully it'll be instructive to us about maybe some things that we are missing even though we've gone to church perhaps all of our lives or perhaps even if we've never gone to church before and this is all new to us these are things that we need to pay attention to and make sure that we're paying attention to in order to really seek out the Lord properly. So if you like to take notes, I like to write an outline. Um, and so if number one, if you like to take notes, the number one point that I wanna make out this morning is hearing selectively means not being properly productive. Now in our story, Jesus, um, this next morning, which would have been Monday morning of the week of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that meant there would have been a lot of pilgrims, a lot of people in Jerusalem, more than normal, because they were coming in for this special feast, a religious holiday, you might say. It would have been um, the week before Easter for us. So they go into this temple area, and before they get there, they see a fig tree in the courtyard. And Jesus curses the fig tree now, why did he curse the fig tree? Well, we can take the analogy a little bit too far, but essentially it was an object lesson. It was an object lesson that he wanted the, the guys to understand that this tree did not have fruit because they're going to enter into the temple. And this object lesson was to teach them a lesson about what was going on with the nation of Israel and especially with the Jewish leadership and with the temple itself. There was a lot of religious activity going on. 
but there's something deeply missing that God really wanted. Now, so he takes a tree that is full in leaf that has, you might say, the promise of having fruit because there was activity going on. It wasn't like it was just dead or it just was bare branches like in winter. There were, were, there were leaves almost as an advertising um, that something's happening, but there was no fruit. See, the fig tree in this particular case, and I think in this object lesson for us, represents the idea and represents people who have a lot of religious activity that promises that there's something coming good, but they don't produce any fruit, any real fruit that, that God wants. In this case, um, it represented this, the nation of Israel's leaders whose system had actually become rotten. A lot of activity, but there was there was something rotten in the root system, you might say, that prevented it from being able to produce good fruit. Now, Jesus taught a parable earlier to the disciples, um, actually written and um, put down for us in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 13, about a fig tree that wasn't producing fruit. And so the owner of the tree tells one of his workers to cut down the tree. But the worker says, you know, let's wait for a year. Let's let's uh, fertilize it. Let's dig it around its roots, give it some special care, and maybe it'll produce fruit next year. But this was earlier in the ministry. And as we get to the, the fig tree, it is almost like the owner is saying, Jesus being the owner, it's time to cut this tree down. It's cursed, it's no longer producing fruit. You know, we live in the Dalles, and there's our house literally is surrounded by cherry fields. Um, in fact, if you can hear some trucks in the background, that's because we're at the very end of the cherry harvest. And so there is lots of activity. There's thousands of acres of tree, cherry trees behind me, up behind our house. And one of the things that happened this year was they had a new disease in the trees that they weren't able to identify yet. So they called it disease X. But they realized that the, this disease was going to cause problems for the cherry, entire cherry orchard. All Not only the orchards here where, where the trees were, but possibly could spread into other orchards. And so they took um, really acres and acres of tree to the X, cut down many, many trees because they didn't want the disease to spread to other parts of the Dalles and in other orchards. Now, I, this is one of those things I think that we have to be, be careful of. Because see, it can seem a little, well, geez, Jesus, what did that tree do to you? And, you know, he might say, well, the reality is, is that sometimes disease trees need to go. And that's true. And, it, and you see this throughout the Bible that God tells the nation of Israel that if they don't produce good fruit, that's because there's going to be some judgment coming that will, that will have to be dealt with. And I think that's true for just everybody. See, God wants good fruit, not just spirituality, not just religion. People might say, well, I believe in God. You know, I, I think this is, you know, he's, he's a good guy. He's my BFF or, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's my best friend. But God wants more than that. He wants more than just the fact that I recognize it exists, 
but also that he rewards those who seek him, as the book of Hebrews says. In this particular case, the reward that God wants to give to us is a full and productive life that's beneficial not only to us, but to other people and to him. You know, there's danger in spiritual activity when it's just for my own purposes. But ultimately, God has his purposes for me. We talked about this in a sermon I gave at Faith on Hill Church um, last summer, if some of you might remember. But God has, or maybe it was last Christmas, I don't remember. But anyway, a sermon that I gave at Faith on Hill, that God has his own purposes for us. You know, and this is one of those things I think, especially for those of us who have not grown up in the church, um, is that religion, you might say, Christianity, is not primarily just for us, for our own benefit. Sure, there is, there is benefit when we follow the Lord, but there's also something that we need to pay attention to. God has his own purposes for us. Remember, you, you know, when the God sent them, um, the people of Israel into captivity into the nation of Babylon, he had Jeremiah write a letter to those who were in Babylon at that particular point in time. And he tells them that he has a plan for them, a plan for peace and not for evil. That he had sent them into captivity, but he had other plans for them that, would, that could benefit not only them, but other people as well. But this is one of those kind of things. We have to be available to the fact that maybe God has something for us. So, to give you an illustration of this, and I think most of us recognize this, if you've ever been a manager, or you've owned a business, or even if you had a house, and you had hired somebody to do work for you, when you hire somebody, you don't hire them just for them to kind of walk around and look busy. Um, this is one of those things that big companies that can kind of be easy to kind of get lost and kind of just like look like you're doing something but not really doing something. I, I was reading somewhere the other day that this new computer system and the new um, computer working at home thing has actually caused some companies to realize that they have a really good way, even better than maybe they thought about, of tracking how productive workers are. Because you can literally see what is coming out of that of that particular person instead of just kind of observing them what they're doing in the office you might say but when we hire somebody we want them to be productive and not just look busy in fact we could actually get offended if they just kind of look busy and weren't actually doing something because we didn't hire them just to kind of hang out we hired them to produce something specific now sure salvation is a free gift and there's no doubt about that but the gift is actually to produce something in our lives. Salvation is free, but it's for us to be able to be free to produce something in our lives. So, number two, if you like to write notes, number two, point number two, is that hearing selectively usually means I'm practicing my priorities on what I hear. In other words, I hear God's word, I read God's word, I know what it says, but I look at it only for my own interest or only for my own benefit or look at it from only my own perspective without really thinking of all the things that God is saying in a particular place. Now, that's not unusual, especially when we're early in our, in our faith. There's no way we can get every bit that we need. I mean, it takes time to absorb the word. And that's one of the reasons why even if we've been a Christian for a long time, we should always be reading in the scriptures because 
there are things that we just need to learn and reapply over and over again. Okay, the Jewish leaders in this particular case have placed a different priority on the temple than God did. In other words, God, you know, said the temple was fine. There, there are things that want to go on here, but the Jewish leaders um, started using the processes and the system of the temple, including the money changers and the selling of, of sacrifices to pigeons within the actual temple itself, what's known as the court of Gentiles. And this is where the, this is where the problem came. See, they did not real, well, they, they didn't really pay attention. They weren't really listening. And they didn't understand because God had said several times, and we're gonna look at a couple of these places, one in the book of Isaiah, and then later on in the book of Jeremiah. That first, and, and Jesus quotes this, and we'll, if you want to look at this really quick with me, you can. Jesus goes into the temple, and he sees the many changers, and he overturns their tables, and the, and the, selling, the one selling pigeons. And he, he writes, and he, and he teaches them, and he says, Is it not written, my house should, should be called a house of prayer? And that's a direct quote from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 56. Basically, what's happening is they've turned the court of Gentiles into a place of business. And not only business, but almost certainly a place where they were not exchanging um, the rates very, very well. Remember, um, it was actually written in the Old Testament that if you lived a long ways from Jerusalem, you could sell your tithe, you could sell your goods and stuff that you would bring, and you can convert it into money, and then when you got to Jerusalem, you could buy whatever you needed, whatever you wanted. So these money changers and these the sellers of pigeons, they're not actually doing anything bad in and of itself. It's how you do it. And it's one of those kind of things you people say, well, you know, you got to make a profit. You know, it's a good opportunity to make a profit. you got to put a lot of people there. But it's also manipulating the system for my own purposes. When I start choosing, charging exorbitant rates, you know, everybody does this. If you go to a, a, a nice um, resort area like Victoria, my wife and I like to go to Victoria to go to the Bouchard Gardens. And if you go into the harbor there, you see people that will exchange um, American dollars into Canadian currency all over the place. But that's not the best place to get to good rates. The best place to get good rates is the bank around the corner. Because the money changers, that's all they do, is they exchange money, and they always charge more than the going rate to make sure that they make a profit. Whereas banks have other things that they do, and sometimes they just exchange money for just the benefit and the welfare of the people. See, in this particular case, they had been using the exchange for their own purposes, and the selling of pigeons. But the court of Gentiles was, was also not intended to be a market. The court of Gentiles was the one place where Gentiles could come and seek the Lord. They weren't allowed into the inner part of the temple. But see, Jewish people, and especially the Jewish leaders, considered the Gentiles, which would include me and most of us, as to be fuel for the fire of hell. They had no respect for the Gentiles. In fact, they didn't like them at all. And so they had no problem charging too much. But they also had no problem taking over the one place the Gentiles could come to seek the Lord. And that's why Jesus quotes Isaiah 56. We'll look at this more next week. It is important that, we, that when we look at this, we understand what's happening. Is that 
for them, the sacrificial system for the Jews was more important than the Gentiles having an opportunity to seek the Lord in peace. So this is one of those things that we have to pay attention to. And like I said, next week we'll look at this a little bit more in depth. See, these things that we hear are important because all God's word is important, as we said. But there are things that are weightier. You know, there are things that, that we ha feel as important as Christians. And Faith on Hill, as a part of a denomination that came from the holiness movement, had its beginnings in this idea that following Jesus, being a Christian, actually should mean something. Okay? But the problem is, is we tend to go our own way with this sometimes. And we start making applications of the law, or we continue to make an application that no longer fits anymore. And there's lots of, lots of ways we could describe that. But, you know, it's one of the things we have to be careful of, is that when we read the Word, is we're making current application to what's happening in this particular setting at this particular time. We have a tendency to put our own spin on things our own priorities and this system that is being has been put in place for selling and buying and buying things um, in the court of Gentiles is a great illustration of what people now have been calling systemic racism it's a system in place that has very specific racial identity see the Gentiles weren't considered to be important in fact, they're the fuel for the fire of hell. So it doesn't matter if we take over their, their one spot where they can seek the Lord. Because we have to sell and buy things for our sacrifices. And it's a lot more convenient for us right outside the gate into the Holy of Holies. And this is why you can actually think of this specifically as a kind of systemic racism. Because exactly what it is. It is, a, it is you know, the Jews literally thought of themselves as being better now some of us may say well i don't really think of myself as being better than other races you know i'm not like that but if we have a system in place that gives us a specific advantage over somebody else another race simply because we've been in power or because we don't think about anybody else and this is the thing as christians we have to do we have to understand as christians it is our duty it is our obligation because Paul talks about this, Jesus talks about this, to consider others better than ourselves. You know the quote. So it may seem inconvenient, but it's something that we need to do. Well, lastly, number three, hearing selectively means placing my priorities on God and others. The chief priests and the scribes heard this and they sought to destroy Jesus. Instead of evaluating the message, they wanted to destroy the messenger. That's all, whenever we wanna get rid of the messenger, and not really pay attention to the message, we are in big trouble. You know, and especially for Christians, we should examine what is being said. Now, you know, when someone is angry at us, and especially what's right now with all the protests, it's easy to be dismissive, and I, I've done it too. But we have to make sure that we aren't dismissive of the message and to examine it. Now, it may be true that we examine the message and we say this is a wrong message, and that's perfectly fine. But we have to make sure that we are examining the message and not just being frustrated with the messenger. See, they had developed their own priorities and what benefited them. And this is the kind of thing that Jesus meant 
when he talked about them killing the prophets before him. They didn't like what they said. If you remember, one of the kings said, this particular uh, prophet is really a pain in, the, in my rear end. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny when that happens because, you know, messengers have a tendency to say things sometimes we don't like. You know, God's word doesn't change, okay? But we have to make sure that our priorities currently match God's priorities always. Um, culture changes. And our culture now is way different than Jesus' day. But, so we have to make application. And all of us understand that. None of us wear a smock, I mean, or walk around in very small leather sandals. Very little, few of us do. You know, none of us are living in the Jerusalem area. That was 2,000 years ago. We understand that we have things have to change. But it's also true things are not the same now as they were here 50 years ago. The same principles apply. We need to know and remember what the weightier matters of the law for us are, what how we are supposed to hear. Jesus talked about this, having ears to hear what he would say. Now that's the question for you this morning. Do you have ears to hear what God would say to you? Especially in this time of so much trouble and so much strife within our, our culture. And especially in the area that we live in. Do you have ears to hear what God might be saying to you or to us or to us as a church? Sure, there may be things that, that uh, the groups that are shouting at us need to understand and, and better have a better understanding or perhaps their whole value system is askew. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about us. See in me, Lord. See if there be in me any wicked way, Psalm 139 says. It is important that we recognize that. And it's important that as we hear all the things that the protesters and other people around us are saying, that we might have ears to say, Lord, what are you saying to me in the midst of this? So Lord, we pray that this morning that you give us ears to hear and give us the ability to listen to you, Lord, and help us to do so today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Adam here once again. I just wanted to say thank you for being with us for our online service. Whether you're with us online or in person for our church in the field services, we gather every Sunday morning at 1030 as we continue to study God's word together. If you need prayer, if you have any questions, you can email me, adam at faithonhill.com. New content is released every Sunday morning at 1030, the same time that we're meeting live and in person. Every Thursday, we release new episodes of the 20-Minute Bible Study Podcast, and that can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or here on our Facebook page. God bless you. We'll see you next week.